All right, so today we're going to go into a lot of different things in fiction because it's, it's going to be, you're going to have the three of us, Mike, Mike, and Bo, and we're going to discuss the things in nerdism that have shaped our outlook and things, the things that have driven our specific perceptions. And there's so much to cover in the amount of fiction and nerd stuff we've consumed. This will probably come up again somewhere down the road. But we cover, like each of us covers three different things, and, and, and we find some stuff about each other that we weren't necessarily aware of. Some of it not surprising because we know each other that well. And I hope you'll enjoy the ride along with us as we delve into the, the, the nerd culture and geek culture that has shaped us. Hit the music. I'm your freak of the week. Um, yeah, um, like, we are, we label ourselves geeks, nerds, you know, by the current definition of those terms. And we've been, you know, in this culture for, I don't know how long, as long as we are. I mean, I've been in this culture since birth. I mean, like, because the people who raised me were into this stuff. Um, uh, you know, saying you guys had the more natural way of doing it, of finding it yourself. It was actually thrust upon me. Ish, ish, ish. Oh, so you didn't find it yourself? Uh, no, my uncle gave me comics when I was a kid. Okay, so Mike is the true self-discoverer over here. Yeah. Yeah. The true actually yeah, my went first, into it on his own. Yeah, my first comic I discovered was Muhammad Ali versus Superman in the trash. Okay. The big maxim, max, maximum size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, never read it. Only saw it. <laughs> read it, didn't understand why, <laughs> and moved on. And then later on, I tried to read something. I forgot how I started. Yeah, 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 yeah. It happens. It's just in our long sorted history. A lot of these thing, a lot of the things that we find that are our fun comics, movies, video games, RPGs, we books, fiction, science fiction. We have a lot of things that we are wrapped up in. And these things kind of shaped our personalities and outlooks and I'm like, what are so I just wanted to ask you guys just as a curious question. It was a curiosity that came over me. What what in all of these medias do you think defined, shaped, or, like, you enjoyed so much it affected your outlook? And I gave you a head start on this to think it through. So that's why, you know, like, just like three things. If you have more, go ahead. And I'd like to start with the man, the myth, the Megatron wearing shirt guy over here. Well, yeah, you know, Bo. Yeah, why not? Sure. You're neither a myth. But you're a man, though. You are a man. I am a man. <laughs> and you are a Megatron shirt wearing guy. As a, you're not as a myth. You're the, real. The, the legend is... Uh, I didn't say legend. I said myth. 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 Yeah, myth. Yeah. You're, you're real. You're real. You are real. All right. So You're not mythological. Not yet. However. That was Prince, and he still died. Damn. 
<laughs> so the short of it is this. For me, it's Star Wars. And I don't mean to throw that grenade in there, but it is. Um, Star Wars, whether it's been through the movies, the comics, the video games, everything in between, the toys. What about it did it for you? Uh, well, we can start with the movies simply enough. The movies were this amazing story. Um, it was very compelling. And for me, it's colored a lot of how I view movies. Um, a lot of how I view stories in general. I like them to be, I like them, I like to be able to immerse myself in them. And I like to be able to completely forget everything else. But that moment that I'm in that movie, because Star Wars did that very well. It took you someplace. It did. Um, everything else kind of has to measure up to that bar. And it's, uh. Even these days, it's a bit of a, a rough ask uh, for Star Wars to measure up against itself for a lot of people. Um, it's it's such a, an impressive bit of storytelling and, and character development that those ideas have stood the test of time. It's been decades, and people still love Star Wars. They still love the Jedi. They still love the Force. But I'm talking about you, though. Like I still love that stuff. Um, yeah. X-Wings are, are cool as hell. Lightsabers are cool. All of it. The bad guys. Darth Vader is cool as hell. He is the baddest bad guy, and he needs an, uh, an inhaler. So, <laughs> um, He's on an iron lung. He's on an iron lung, and he still terrifies people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Iron Lung is terrifying. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, just not for those reasons. As, as bad guys go, you know, Darth Vader is a hard act to follow. And for me, every movie I've watched since, I want a truly memorable villain, like Darth Vader. Um, that colors a lot, of, a lot of things for me. If the movie requires a villain, though. Yes, if the movie requires a villain, if just action adventure generally, there's a villain involved. Yeah. Um. It also colors my like of science fiction, fantasy, and, and a host of other things. So, uh, it's absolutely stood the test of time. Uh, the video games were a lot of fun. The novels were great, some of them. Um, <laughs> some of them. And when it's bad, it's really bad. Um, there's no middle ground for Star Wars. You know, right. I'm going to watch the upcoming Star Wars, even though I don't think I should. And uh, I'm going to do it on general principle because I want closure one way or the other. Supposedly, this is going to be the end of all the saga. And then they'll the start Skywalker somewhere new. Saga. Yeah, the Skywalker saga. Then they'll do something new. Um, so, you know, we'll see what we see. Um, I think it's definitely a, a watershed moment. Uh, in cinema and in many other medias. All right. Well, okay, to give more of an understanding of what I'm talking about when I'm asking this question, I'll use myself as an example. Like, I have a plethora of things that I think, like, shape my outlook in the world and stuff like that. And I'll just, um, I'll skip Spider-Man because that's, I'll skip Spider-Man, Captain America, Wonder Woman, stuff like that because that's the comics and stuff like that. Although they do have a lot to do with it. But, um... Um, you asked me a while ago, uh, Mike, 
about my shipping and stuff like that, and I brought up Fushigi Yugi. Hmm. Fushigi Yugi is one of those like later shaping um, um, uh, fictions because, um, as far as uh, it's an anime, it means mysterious play, and like it, it attracted me to the idea of like mass character dramas with a lot of characters, and that you can have like all these different kind of themes like Fushigi Yugi had comedy, drama, romance, friendship, action, betrayal. Yeah, it's it, it, well, the friendship, betrayal and all that fits into drama and stuff like that. And um and so many different characters who are not the same half just halfway through the series as they are when you meet them. They're all books you can't judge by their cover. And um, it made me, like, it It made me take the idea of, like, ne- never judging a book by its cover straight to heart. Like, I was, like, learning and liking the individual. Like, like Captain America's line in um, uh, Civil War when he says, uh, you know, I base my outlooks on, I, I look at individuals, people, not groups. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, there's a thing to that. And I and that stuck with me. And I think what pushed that on me, probably other things seeded it, but Fushigi Yugi kind of threw it over. I like those moments where the characters, like, got to know each other and got to, like find out more about each other and like because every last one of those characters are in many ways very similar and extremely different only based on walks in their life and uh outlook and and experiences that change their outlook that even the bad guys understandable you know what i'm saying and how she had a best friend miyaka i mean like miyaka's best friend um yui um became a villain because of experiences and you know it's it, it goes into my attraction to sympathetic history because you know you look at history by dates and events and numbers but when you look at the history by people you know even the worst people if you walk their life you might find out what shaped them it doesn't excuse the things they've done but it gives you an empathy you know like that's where magneto comes from magneto started off as uh, just a uh, uh freaking uh, villain of the week guy when he appeared in the X-Men but by the time Claremont got to him and you got this whole thing on his uh, his uh, 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 concentrate, concentration camp background and everything you get that he's wrong in the way he does things but he's right in his outlook you get what I'm saying? yes yeah you feel me? yeah yeah so that's one of the things that I thought and and you get that a lot in Fushigi Yugi because all of these people are so um, deep for such and 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 like if you just look at the if you just like watch one episode of Fushigi Yugi it seems pretty shallow but if you watch the entire series in any way shape or form or any three episodes it there's more to it right off the bat you know what I mean you all seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's very addictive and like. It was like, wow, this is what soap operas are and what the X-Men were. This is what comics are. Comics are silly, weird, um, ridiculous, over-the-top, but emotionally character-driven stuff. And that's what Fushigi Yugi was. And like, while I read comics at that point for years at that point, 
Fushigi Yugi is what pointed it out to me. You know, like, it was always there. But it was like, no, dude, this is, it is here. This is it. And it's in so many things you like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And keep liking it because it's going to continue to be weird and drama-filled and adventure-filled and action-filled and crazy. And just Star Wars is the same thing. It's, it's ridiculous and action-filled, dramatic, and, Funny. And, 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 yeah, yeah, it's all of these things. And it's the it's the it's the full Monty of entertainment for me, <laughs> and Fushigi Yugi was the first bit of media that had me go, wow, I like specifically stuff like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, to your point, I think Star Wars definitely colored me in what I like about certain types of genres. You know, I don't. I'm not a big fan of like depressing dark stuff. I like. Like, there was a time you were. Yeah, but I, I <laughs> but I like I more enjoy the light stuff. Star Wars when it stays light-hearted to the, to an extent. I mean, it's not that it can't be dark, but, but Star it, Wars is dark. It, it has it dark moments, <laughs> but it also has, you know, we're up to our waist in trash and um other silly moments where it there it allows itself to you know, I need to take the elevator. Where the hell is the elevator? I'm pressing the button. I need to go. Crap. It's just, it's there's enough lightness to it. I need that light positivity to some of my uh, science fiction fantasy. Um, and Luke, so definitely the the Eternal Optimist uh, at the time uh, found the good in everybody. Han, his own father, himself. I like Han. He didn't, he didn't like Han. But he still found <laughs> the good in him. Like, Han was definitely out for himself. And then Han decides at the last second, ah, screw it. All right, fine. I'll help out. Okay. Um, when there really wasn't a, a lot of reasons for him to do so, outside of the girl. Um, Han got himself in deep with them by helping them. He figured he would have learned his lesson. He doesn't. He jumps back in. Uh, I'd argue that Leia is definitely the the force behind the both of them pursuing the best intentions. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, but like I said, uh, so you 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 Star Wars shaped a lot of your outlook in media, and like I said, Fushigi Yugi pointed out to me what I liked in media, and that's across the board. Like I said. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Excalibur, the comic book. I, I mean, like that. I like. I can read the first thirty-two issues of Excalibur all the time, every time, over and over again. The Cross Time Caper was ridiculous, and I loved every last bit of it. Um, which we'll call it. Mike and I practically bonded over that fucking series. <laughs> you know, because it was fucking ridiculous. I didn't know what it was. What about you, Mike? You, can you point to any? Oh, yes, yes. Um, absolutely the one thing that I wouldn't say just shaped my media, just exposed me to every kind of media, was The Lord of the Rings. Mm. I remember I was... I had to be like seven or eight. I was in a foreign country... I couldn't talk the language, so I couldn't hang out with anybody. Um, on most days, they would send me out, you know, outdoors. But on rainy days, they would hate that I was indoors because they, they couldn't keep me entertained. So they basically gave through books at me. 
And most of these books were adult books, like, you know, French French books that, you know, had themes that I couldn't care about or, you know. As long as they weren't throwing at you some Russian novels, because that shit could be depressing. Right. Well, (laughs) most of the books my cousin had were soap opera. I mean, like, female Daniel Steele type books, things like that. She had had mythology books, which I, I consumed and I loved. But there was one book that really caught me, and that was The Hobbit. And I read The Hobbit, read it all summer long, read it over and over again because it was the Which one version? Book. Which version? Was it the original version that um, that threw away, that, that, that did the, 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 the meeting of Gollum, but it was a throwaway thing? Or was it the one that zeroed in on him meeting Gollum in the riddles and stuff like that? I think it was the one that threw away the, the, the Gollum meeting. Okay. Because I went back and read that later, right? And it seemed like more? Yeah, it it definitely seemed like more when I realized, oh, wait, there was more to this? Okay. So So, he didn't read the reprint. He read the original. Yeah, so I read read that. It was just a single story. And like I said, it was my first time reading. It made me fall in love with reading. Like, after that, I started reading everything. Like, you know, comics, everything. I got involved with everything, you know, reading-wise. Um, and when I came back to the States and found out, oh, wait, there's more books? The Hobbit isn't the only one? So, you know, I started reading the Lord of the Rings series. And then it's like, oh, okay, I got it. And it really just impressed so much on me. You know, what well, you see, I had a very grounded family. They all wanted me to read, like, grounded material, you know. Nonfiction. Nonfiction. Yeah. Or realistic. Or kind of realistic. I mean, my... Uh, Kind of realistic, but still not as fan- fantastical, right? <laughs> Lord of the Rings is pretty fantastical. Right. Yeah. And when I got when I read The Lord of the Rings, I pretty much always looked for similarities to other works and things like that. For instance, this is the reason why I had a hard time getting in. Even though I eventually became a role player, it wasn't through Dungeons & Dragons. Because when I picked up Dungeons & Dragons and they tried to play it with me, I was like, what, magic is like this? It's like you you've you've printed it out and I just throw things and there's no mystery to it. No no, no weirdness to it. It's just uh printed out like that. Okay. And the heroes just seem kind of like I understand now that the heroes in the Lord of the Rings are not first level people. But I I, no. I you can't comprehend that when you're when you're trying to role play at first. So you know Getting a first level character and going, God, he can't do half of what Aragorn does. <laughs> You're just so disappointed. Right? So I hated D&D. I was like, no, not for me. And then later on, I became a role player through other means. But you see what I mean? It was like D&D, I mean, uh, D&D, Lord of the Rings introduced me to dragons, elves, dwarves. And every time I ran across any of these things and any other thing, I was like, wait, that 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 doesn't seem like a cool dwarf, you know? Or these elves are lame. Why are they short? I don't get it. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Even though you had a background reading mythology, you were like, what's with the short elves? Yeah, what's with the All short... elves are supposed to be Scandinavianly tall. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Lord of the Rings. And then, you know, the great, the beauty about Lord of the Rings is how it unfolded. It was just books. And everyone knew them, and everyone was like, okay, they're just books. And then the movies came out. Well, the movies threw in a whole nother angle to things. Yeah, Peter Jackson did have an interpretation that reshaped it in many beautiful right, ways. which was beautiful. Like, you can actually have a fantasy movie on screen, and it'd be good. 
and they still have not matched that yet in 20 no. years. You know, and he couldn't even match it again. Yeah, he couldn't match it when he picked up the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like, it's it's the one, isn't it? <laughs> like for all the science fiction, it's like I got Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you, know, you just hold on to a tight like, Yeah, you hold on to a tight Like, but I have Lord of the Rings. Right, exactly. Yeah, we were we were talking a while while back, I, many moons ago, with uh, 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 Pete of No More Kings with. Uh, uh, Bo about what's better science what's better what makes better movie science fiction or fantasy and Bo was sticking to fantasy but he couldn't really name past Lord of the Rings <laughs> right. any like critically good in like mass consumed well, fantasy honestly up until up until J.R. Martin's books no one can point to fantasy as good as Lord of the Rings Everyone, they would compare it to Lord of the Rings. Oh, they would say, oh, this is like Lord of the Rings, or this is all as good as Lord of the Rings. But no one broke through to have their own defining fantasy. Now you And can even them, reenacted, even reenacted Game of Thrones did not match it. It doesn't. It, it, no, it, 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 it does something else. Yeah, yeah, could, yeah, and it, it had several thing. more hours to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You um, can appreciate what Lord of the Rings... I mean, you can appreciate what... Um, Game of Thrones does. You can appreciate it for what it brings, but it brings its own thing. Lord of the Rings brought its own thing. But when we talk about science fiction, we could bring up like Dune. We could bring up yeah, tons uh, of shit. There's tons of science. Right, fiction. you could br- bring up tons of science fiction. But when it comes to fantasy, <laughs> every other Star Trek movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> when it comes even to fantasy, ones, right? it just seems like people bring up the same tired. Well, not tired, like uh, Wheel of Time. Believe me, those are bricks, and I, I don't think they're as good as... I don't think they're defining. I, I know a lot of people say they are. I just um, don't agree for, with that. For cinema, I've had a little time to think about it. I would add the original Clash of the Titans to that list. It's well done. It's iconic. Um, Watch it again, Bo. I have several times. I love it. I love the Ray Harryhausen effects, dude. It's, I do, too. I do love the I, Ray Harryhausen effects, but there's a lot of things that it don't did not have do well a, over time. Yeah, it did not And it did not resonate like any of the things we were naming. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because, okay, that was my problem. It was was not the Ben-Hur of fantasy. (laughs) Okay, that was my problem with John Carter of Mars. When I watched... It should have. It should have been so good. When I I read John Carter of Mars, I understood the significance. And when I watched the movie, uh, uh, and people kept on saying, oh, it's just a rip-off of this and that. And I'm like, holy hell. <laughs> you All know, of this these is what defined, of- you know, most of these things, and you're saying yeah. this is the I'll- ripoff. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that John Carter, of Mar- John Carter, or Princess of Mars predates all the things that they say it's like by so much because it inspired a lot all of those it. things that by people decades. say that it's ripping off <laughs> right. by several decades. Several. So that's decades. what makes once again Lord of the Rings so fantastic. It not only defined- because fantasy because books? even I, I see what you're saying because even after lord of the rings came out after all the themes that made up lord of the rings has been done over and over again the lost king the claiming of the crown the dark evil all of these things that make up what lord of the rings is has been done time and time and time again no one looked at lord of the rings and said oh this is just like yeah. <laughs> no the, lord of the rings stood on its own regardless of the fact that it's reflected in so much media that came before it when it before it came into live action. Right. And, and to this day, every actor from that you recognize, know and say, Hey, 
that guy's from Lord of the Rings and he's great in this thing. <laughs> you know, so on and so forth. You know, it it truly was, for me, defining. And it continues to redefine and hopefully it'll continue to do so in the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Agreed. I got... So, um, you got another one, I Bo? got another uh, one. Another uh, one. Doesn't have to be movies, yeah, yeah, no, no, remember. No. It's- I, I'm going to I'm gonna live with this one on my own. Probably be on an island unto myself, and that's fine. But that's fine, I but love, it's good to you. loved Planet of the Apes. The original series, <laughs> the movies. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You're I'm, not on your own with that one. Dude, there is something... For me, I like the Planet of the Apes, uh, Apes a lot. I've seen every series. Aren't there like <laughs> twenty movies? <laughs> Countless yes. books. There's a lot. But of there's stuff also like... a TV series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. Also, a there's also a TV series, and it did such an amazing job of uh, talking about something that needed to be talked about without using those specific words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's still, it did cover something without covering it. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it does it in a way that people can look at it and, and see it and understand it. Like few things before it and after it have. Yeah, I'm not here to judge what you like, Bo. I'm yeah. just here to hear it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but like for me... plenty of episodes to judge people's likes. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, when, when I, I, I think about my, my enjoyment of Planet of the Apes, aside from the fact that they're super intelligent talking apes which is just fun um <laughs> and I, i've enjoyed hyper intelligent uh apes in every other venue i could find it um <laughs> I, I i i think when i look at something that's supposed to be like a parable or a moral story or something else it, it almost always falls short of planet of the apes um okay planet of the apes is very compelling it's very interesting. If you enjoy it, it's not going to lose you no matter how many different movies you're going to watch of it. it takes you like its combination of heavy-handedness and subtlety. Yes. And okay. it does it in a way that few other things I've ever watched are able to do. Um, okay. And so when I see things now where somebody's trying to tell you something or explain something or, or point something out, I'm like just lacks the nuance and it, it it still misses people um and that's current so i'll always go back to planet of the apes and be like this really was well done um whether it was as a book a tv show a movie whatever what have you um even the hokey ass 70s animation uh <laughs> like it, it all just i it holds up and in particular, the most recent uh, take on the movies, I enjoyed a lot only because they have had the technology to really make a go of it. And they went in. And they, they in. did and, go in. And people underrate how much work goes into special effects today because people, I hear all the time, people are like, everybody can do special effects, so you're not just going to impress me alone with special effects. Oh, shut the fuck up. Because even your most expensive special effects team, that is a lot of work that it takes and a lot of artistry and talent it takes to do that and you need time like i'll use black panther for example the reason the last fight in black panther um didn't hold up special effects wise because they only had two months to do it two months is not enough to pull off what they were trying to do and like special effects get overlooked well vfx get overlooked on how much 
they can be done and special effects which is the 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 the, the classic way of doing things also get overlooked because here's a little tidbit um mike Bo, winter soldier has a lot more um not winter soldier civil war has a lot more normal classic special effects than you think it's just they do so much vfx touching up the costumes that you think it's vfx for example remember when they were running in the tunnel yeah that was that was special effects not vfx they did something called the magic carpet they had a car with a a running mat on it driving ahead of them while the stuntmen were running on it so that they could move faster than the traffic it was it was ridiculous anyway but yeah i see what you're saying but because you you like your parables you like your parables to actually like embrace you but you also in case you miss it let's slap you a little too <laughs> just know? a little bit and you, <laughs> you, know, you, know, just like... you don't have to hit me over the head but a nice stiff <laughs> slap once in a while isn't a terrible thing <laughs> you know and the special effects don't hurt. Um, my other one, like like you said, you'll be alone on this one. I'll give you one that I know I am alone on. And this is defin- definitively a movie that out of the three of us, I know only I am a big fan of. It is easily and not even arguably my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> and um, it's not one that, you know, you would commonly... I may even edit out this whole section. <laughs> you know, the movie is Chances Are. All right, oh, yeah, and Mike yeah, knows you've this. Been talking about that for years. You're the <laughs> yeah, only reason I, why I know that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Bo's like, wait, I don't remember this. Okay, so I've never had this talk with you, but Bo, I've loved that movie since it came out. I've loved that movie forever. Robert Downey Jr., Alicia Stewart Masterson, um, freaking Sybil Shepherd. I love that movie. And for so many reasons. I can watch that. That movie is more watchable for me than Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> All right. And that's a big deal. Okay. And um, that movie, I don't know what it is. It just resonates with me on an emotional level. But when I gave it thought and watched it again, you know, twisted my arm and watched it again. I don't think I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> you have. You have sat next to me and watched it and just blew past it. <laughs> you have. Uh, I, I have. Um, I've I, watched I sing- it. I don't find what he does in it, but that's under. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've sang, I've sang, I've sang the the ending song to it. Well, here we are again. again. I've sang it re- repeatedly. <laughs> I guess it must be fate. You know, sung by Cher. The movie touched upon me how life is fleeting and how letting go and moving forward is so important. It left me with. It left me understanding in life how difficult it is to let go, but how destructive it is to dwell upon the past. You know what I'm saying? Because that is the themes of the movie. Let the past go sometimes. You've got to move forward. Dwelling on it just destroys it for yourself and others behind you. Create something new. Move forward. And um, 
Um, not like Kylo with his let the past die, burn it if you have to. That's fucking nihilistic. <laughs> right? That's unhealthy the way you like that's not looking at the past and moving forward. That's just destroying it. But chances are is not a well known movie, but it's where I first met Robert Downey Jr. on screen and I was like, This guy's he's great. He's just walking charisma. <laughs> you know, and then I noticed, hey, he's in weird science. <laughs> you know, like, and then I just started watching him in other things like Chaplin and shit like that. And uh, so, yeah, this is the movie I caught on to him for. <laughs> right. But the movie is about a husband and a wife. The wife is pregnant or something like that. And on their, like, celebrating something, the husband gets hit by a car and dies. And he goes into heaven. And he's going to get reincarnated, but he needs to take an inoculation to forget his past life. But he misses the inoculation. And so he comes back as Robert Downey Jr. and lives a normal life until he meets uh, the daughter of who he previously was. And he falls in love with her, but then he meets her mother. And all the memories of his previous life come back to him and start getting in the way of everything that is his life. Because he can't let go. Because he wants to hold on to the past that was good. is gone that he died that's over and of course the woman she loved her husband so she doesn't want to let go of that too but there's something there right now there's a man with her right now that 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 loves her and he's a he's a person he's a full being and you know and but she's going to throw it away for this guy who was once her husband but as the movie goes on it he starts realizing himself that he's got to move forward and in the end he gets his inoculation. It's thrust upon him because he's trying to figure out where to go with this. He falls down the stairs and has a near-death experience. He gets his inoculation. And the man he was is gone. And he gets to move forward. And youth prevails in this situation. It's just... It's hard for me to explain. And, like, I'm getting... I'm getting freaking... Nervous about talking about it. Because, like I said, this movie... It's not the greatest movie in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With that, with that synopsis, I could never watch this movie. Um, <laughs> or watch it again. No. I'm, I'm about... I mean, like, like I, I, in my life, I've experienced a lot of death. And, you know what I'm saying? And it leaves me unable to express properly emotions for when other people face it or how they should face it. And stuff like that. But that movie helped me to understand life moving forward. And how emotions evolve. And how people who dwell on things. Because I'm not going to go into this here. But, you know, I I was around people who dwelled on the past and didn't let go. And it consumed them. It consumed their outlook on things. It consumed their, their reality. And, um... I understood them better for this movie. Because, you know, what you see, what you experience shapes you. And it's hard to let go of these things. And sometimes you need that push, thrust, inoculation to just throw you out of it and just break you out of this cycle of um, letting the past consume you. You know? So, yeah, chances are that is... See, you said Planet of the Apes, you felt like you'd be alone. I know chances are, I am alone. But that movie, I love, hands down. There is no movie in my heart better than that movie. 
But at the same time, I also know it for what it is. It's not the best movie in the world. It's the best movie in the world for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that, Nothing that's, wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> well, okay. I guess I'll... What do you got? The, la- the last Huh? <laughs> uh, that's going to be hard to follow up. <laughs> really? You might have something of quality. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, just I mean like, my movie... Because, yeah. No, you I mentioned mean, my some... movie is oh, not yeah. a great movie. Yeah, but you know, if you you're mentioning how it changed you, how you reflect on life through it, I mean, any movie that inspires a person like that must be there is something to it. In the fact, uh, themes of that was I would use that in my nice one arc between Alan and Jessica. Right. Themes of that, but putting behind the past, it helped him get over his obsession for Roxy and stuff like that. That's why I love that. Those themes, story-wise, and stuff like that, role-playing discussion. Side yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. Funny you bring that up because I was going to bring up my next thing, which is cyberpunk. Um, the role-playing game cyberpunk started it. It's one of those games where you're like, okay, you, you get it. Uh, future uh, people with cybernetics, things like that. It's the dystopia, right? But because I read Cyberpunk, it got me... Because whenever I roleplay a game, I want to read, watch, and consume things that are similar to it. Now, when I played Cyberpunk, it was, uh, I guess, early 90s, maybe, or something like that. So it was pretty early on, and there wasn't yeah. as much material as there is now. You know, Reading material there was plenty. Oh, the reading material there was, right. That's where yeah. I was going to go with this. So, because I read Cyberpunk, I wanted to read what inspired Cyberpunk. And that was things like um, Count Zero from Will Gibson, William Gibson. Wow! So you know, I read, wow. I read all those right, books. All right, I'm gonna have to make a shift there. Thanks, thanks, buddy. I was, I was gonna be like, I'm gonna talk about Count Zero. Interrupt? No, I'm not. Have at. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. So you this know, is something you share. No, no, we, we yeah, part. I agree with him completely. Probably for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, read William Gibson. Loved it. Gibson loved, stuff. Yeah. Loved the second book. I forgot. Uh, what the second book's name was damn it but anyway there was a character named turner he was like the the solo that you know i admired whatever but you know these are all like genre related which led me to ghost in the shell i fell in love with ghost in the shell right after that wanted to play cyborgs and things so you know people dealing with their humanity which exposed me to the whole idea of transhumanism you know as we you know, progress on with books like Accelerando and um, the Kovac series, uh, Altered Carbon, things like that. I so love the idea of cyberpunk leading into transhumanism, posthumanism, just the idea of where the technology can take us, good or bad, and it really informed me to appreciate technology for what it is, to understand that it is just a vehicle. And it is important that we use it as the vehicle. Don't let it define us. Be responsible with it. But yeah, be responsible with it and always remember our humanity. Because humanity is more than just, you know, calling ourselves, you know, hey, you're a human, I'm a human. No, when we we modernize, when we go even further, what will we keep that is important to us what do we keep as a society and a culture and a people that social growth right and i just i just love the genre and it came from this little book rpg book cyberpunk (laughs) you know and i 
I've rarely had good experiences in Cyberpunk, the role-playing game. Not to anyone's fault but my own. Or, you know, a little here, a little there. But yeah. it's just, it, it really amazes me. Because when you ask me that question, what has defined me? I had to say Lord of the Rings because that's what got me into reading. If I didn't read Lord of the Rings, I don't think I would have appreciated as much reading things. Comics. Anything. You know, and then with Cyberpunk, if I didn't get involved with Cyberpunk, I don't think I'd have this much appreciation for what we've done as a society and where we could go as a society. So From just basic communication to a smartphone. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. So it just, yeah, I love I love Cyberpunk. I love the genre that it led into, and yeah, I I have to say that this one role playing book did that for me. Okay. Mona Lisa Overdrive is the second book, by the way. I thought Mona Lisa Overdrive is the third book. I think that's Neuromancer. Okay, Neuromancer then is the one that had Turner the solo in it. I think so. Yeah, I like that guy. I haven't read I those have, books in I would forever. have to ask my expert because I live with someone who knows these books like the back of their hand. I haven't read those thing, books in forever. And the thing with Turner? The thing with they Turner never is, left her soul. They never <laughs> left her soul. <laughs> the thing with Turner was, he was a solo, you know, the way they, they, they never called them solos like that, but he was a solo, but he was not, you know. Cool. Yeah, he was kind of just, you know, professional. That was his shtick, professional. Yeah. You know, and I like that, especially in that setting, you know. No, I, I, I got to agree with you. I really, I always enjoyed Gibson's stuff. Um, I'm excited for the upcoming video game Cyberpunk 2077. Um, oh yeah, that's I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt? That's what yeah, I yeah. meant to say because that all led to this too, where the video game is coming out. I've been hype. I've been hyper about it for a year. I have my all my electronic wallpapers are Cyberpunk 2077. Keanu Reeves comes out is going to be in the game. I mean, come on, it's just I want to build a computer just so I can play. You're, 20, you're beautiful. 2077 properly. You're breathtaking, You're Mike. breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're yes, breathtaking. Yes, you're, you're all breathtaking, yes. <laughs> Only something as amazing as uh, that genre can, can have everybody just see Keanu for the saint that he is. But, Bo, in a way, is it amazing? Because if you think about it, Cyberpunk is so outdated at this point. Yeah. Well, it, it's 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 a bit eerie. Not the concepts, not the concepts, not the concepts. Like the specific genre of uh, of uh, of uh, of uh, Tokyo, Japan taking over the world. Uh, yeah, that's outdated. But the concepts of chopping up our land masses and selling it to the highest bidder, and the corporations um, sell back to us our work and our effort, the brainwashing of uh, mindfulness as a help as, media, as, as a, yeah, as yeah. A, media as a marketable thing, yes. media influences, all these things still exist. And that's why cyberpunk as a genre still resonates with people. Yeah. Isn't Not Mr. Specific... Robot a, 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 a show that deals with that kind of stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have yet yeah. to watch it. I should. But. Watchdogs. It's, that entire yeah, but video Gibson, game series. Gibson is yeah. very, was very prescient um, with a lot of his ideas, um, and they still carry a ton of weight. What was that other book that I that, that I told you to read, Mike? Because it was so nuts. It was so snow God. crash. Snow crash. Snow crash. That snow move, crash. that book was gr- that move, that book was amazing. I thank you. Bo, I did thank you ever you. read I, Snow Crash? I don't think I have. 
You really should because if you it's can, not a new book, it's an old it's book. Not. It came out yeah. around the same time William Gibson was writing uh, Neuro, yeah, and, I mean, Count Zero. And you could tell these people were smoking the same shit. Because <laughs> this shit was crazy. Um, the other book that you that you got me reading, or did I, I already had it and you told me it was worth a read, was Cersei, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I already had it. That's another good one. But for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. But Snow Crash, yeah. That but yeah, it's, gone, it's, so. an ama- it's an amazing genre. It's, I was on a clip of reading... I was on a good clip of reading, and freaking Stephen King stopped me flat. <laughs> like, I had gone through, like, six books by different other writers. When I'm like, I'm going to go back to Stephen King. Oh, God, his dark, weird sex shit. Oh, I can't get past <laughs> Like, I can't finish. I finished the first tower, the first Dark Tower book, but my God, it was hard. Like I kept going back to the. Okay, I don't know if you remember. Did you read the Dark Tower series, Bo? Yes. Okay, so I don't know how well you remember it, but I'm sitting on the train. There's there's kids on either side of me, and I'm reading the situation where he goes into the town that 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 the fucking man in black beat him to first. And so he has a showdown in the town and he's shooting people and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this action is hot. This action is hot. Then he gets to the lady upstairs and he has to interrogate her and he interrogates her by jamming his gun into her vagina until she talks. And she's going into throes of passion and all sorts. I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> what are you doing, dude? You just, you just brought all this momentum to a screeching freaking. Mike, he did not forget the face of Body his father. Body fluid halt. <laughs> he did not forget the face of his father. <laughs> nor, nor the first doorway he saw out of his mother. <laughs> okay, like, oh, God. Well, you know... And you mind you, Stephen King, he's a very amazing technical writer, but he always stops me flat with his weird sex shit. <laughs> I don't know. Cocaine you guys, you guys, is an amazing co pilot, okay? <laughs> it really guys, is. Yeah, it is. You guys really did catch me because I'll say this the ones that I, I mentioned, you guys like too. The ones you guys mentioned, I can't hop on that train. I'm just not about the monkeys. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you They're know? not monkeys. They're <laughs> fucking apes. Okay. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't care. Chances are, I understand what it means to Mike, but it doesn't touch me. But it's just. I, but you I like Fushigi Yugi? Yeah. No, I did like Fushigi. No, I'm saying you're, you're. Like we all brought up two things. I can get. Be, you guys can get behind the two things I brought up. I'm not saying. I'm saying I admire you guys for. Going outside the usual into into that, that kind of thing because again, well, Mike, Mike, it's not even outside the usual. You know me, you've known me long enough that freaking chances are is almost part of my DNA as far as right, when it comes right. to movie mentioning. But I'm saying that and the apes. I did, you know. I love well, the day the that I. I, I love the day that I realized. <laughs> I love the day that I realized that chances are is my favorite movie of all time. Because like this was a tough one for me because like. I was basically being asked, you know, uh, what what movie would I would I be trapped on uh, an island with? And I'd be okay with watching it, and um, I picked some really good movie and stuff like that. And they were like, okay, so every other movie can go, and then for no reason whatsoever, here we are again. Just crept in my head. I was like, I would never see that movie again. <laughs> I was like, I would never be able to see that movie again, and I was like. 
I'd have to sacrifice the movie I picked because I do want to see this movie again. And I was like, how much do I like this movie? (laughs) How much do I like this movie? I mean, it's not a good movie. I mean, I knew from the word go it's not a good movie, but I loved it. See, that (laughs) question would mess me up because there's only one movie I would watch over and over again, and I don't like it. I don't care about it. Shawshank Redemption. I don't care yeah, yeah, about it. Everybody but I'll watch can watch it. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> watch Everyone can watch Shawshank Redemption over again. It is the most rewatchable movie of all time, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I don't care the, about the it. The Princess Bride. I could watch that movie. But I like the, the Princess Bride. I'm saying I don't like Shawshank. You don't like Shawshank. <laughs> but I will not watch like it. that. He doesn't like it like that. No, not like that. No, but I've 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 watched Shawshank Redemption at least eight times with Mike. <laughs> you know what movie that was for me? The Green Mile. I did not like the Green Mile. <laughs> yeah, I can watch it every time. Yeah, these are both Stephen King movies. <laughs> <laughs> we made a segue into Stephen King. We can agree that many of his movies are better than his books, right? Yes. I don't know how I'm going to feel about Doctor Sleep, but we'll see. I'm actually looking forward to it, but for the I'm, wrong I reasons. am too. I, well, oh, you just want to see Ewan McGregor again? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like the, the idea. Don't worry, no, I'm going to get him again as Kenobi, so. I do like the idea of Doctor Sleep. I just don't know if it'll be good because, you know, you take The Shining and then you, you, you have a kind of follow up. Mm. Well, you The know? Shining. Okay, it's the Shinnin. You're trying to get us sued. But you got to remember the Shining is a power that exists in almost all of his books. I know that. No, no, I know that. I'm just saying, you know. It's a clear follow-up to the Shining. Yeah, you're, you're tying into so, something that people consider one of the greatest movies ever made. You know, it, it, that's a hard. <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> ask. Well, that's because Kubrick, but I mean, like, whatever. Um, all right, so let's make this turn. What's your, what's your third, Bo? What's your third defining thing, if you have one? That you could think of, or that you feel like talking about, it'd probably be Dune, which is a dubious statement. Dune, D U N E, D U N E, Frank Herbert's Dune. I, I can get behind you on that. Woo! The book, the movie, the series. Yes. <laughs> I don't think Mike could get behind you with all of that. <laughs> no, I've watched them all. So, so like for me, the books to a point, because clearly things start going a little off off the wheel track with the books. Um, I don't know if it was drugs being a co-pilot or what, but, you know, whatever. Um, there was I, a lot more going on with the writer. Though. Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, for me, knowing that I'm going to get a, a, a reboot is telling because clearly it's good enough to for someone to go, you know what we need? We need to do Dune again. And we need to cast Jason Momoa and a whole host of really, like, reasonably famous actors and just throw them at this and make it go. He's going to be Duncan? Yeah, yeah he's going to be Idaho. That one. Uh, I, <laughs> there, yeah, there, yeah, whatever. But there, anyway, there, what, did, what did Dune do for you, man? Come on. So for me, Dune, Dune allowed me to like really look at a genre and go, there doesn't have to be any rules. Um, it can be as off-putting or bizarre or interesting and steeped in like alternative culture as as anything like when you really peel back dune yes there is a lot of uh talking about at the time current events and stuff like that but 
it's done in such a fascinating way. Um, the spice, their their cultures, the Bene Gesserit, all of it. Yes, it's very uh, Masonic or whatever, and I get that. But um, it's done on such a, a really massive scale. And even when they did the better version on sci-fi, which I, people will argue with me about, uh, and, and nothing against Patrick Stewart, but uh, when you get the series, it, it holds closer to the books than the movie does, which had to have a, like a half-hour uh, primer for no one who's ever read Dune. Uh, <laughs> which was a lot of people. There's a lot of people like, here on this planet is this, here on this planet is that, here in this planet is this. These are these people. Like, you, yeah, you need the a intro to that movie was like a half an hour long. Yeah. Um, but when Sci-Fi uh, redid it, they, they didn't have to do all that because they broke it up into some parts. I think it was a better story. Um, I appreciated, like, just the feel of this very foreign culture smashing together in this unconventional way, but all of it clearly referencing a lot of caste system stuff, a lot of cultural issues. Um, it, it reminded me that it doesn't have to be lightsabers and Wookiees. It doesn't have to be any of the things. It can be as bizarre or as interesting as I want it to be and still tell a compelling story. Nice. I could get behind you with that. Um, Duncan Idaho being the only thing that I found personally difficult to deal with because when you read the books you realize that the writer was really writing himself into Duncan Idaho a lot um, Duncan Idaho is a Gary Stu uh, I choose to ignore him and the fact that they're casting Jason Momoa I don't know did, I you, don't read know up to, did you read up to the seventh book which one was that one uh, the, the chapter house Oh jeez. Okay, look, I, I I forgot. No, I think it's the sixth book, not seventh. Sorry, sixth, sixth. book. Right. Um, because the thing is, I don't. I the one person I wouldn't call a Gary Stu is Duncan Idaho for the reason is that he he's the link that connects all six books, and throughout the time. He, yeah, I thought he was a linchpin for the yeah, story. He is a linchpin, but he's also a bit of uh, a the writer putting himself in. The See, story. I don't, I don't know about but that. But I think part. the writer's doing it in a healthy way, if anything. Yeah, but the reason why I don't call him a Gary Stu is because the re he develops every lifetime he adds to himself. Meaning, if you had the memory of your lifetimes, you would eventually become perfect. Perfect. You know, Moira or near McTaggart. perfect. You know, godlike. Moira McTaggart. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the real life. But uh, yeah, you would become. Because remember, Duncan Idaho is go the Gola, the Gola, whatever, is is done like nearly 4,000, 5,000 years. So, I mean, he just keeps on adding to himself. I wouldn't call him a Gary Stu. But I, I do like where you're coming from with Dune. The only thing with me is I can't say it touched me like that because I, I, I started reading Dune like, and, and really getting into Dune maybe five years, well, eight years ago, ten years ago, something like that. Okay. Okay, I read it a little earlier than that, but I didn't get that deep into the... I, like, I don't think I got past the second book. Um, well, the fourth book is amazing. Okay. All right. That's where, um, that's where you get the God Emperor. That's the God Emperor on, yeah. 
Um, don't ever. That's something we need to explore on you, Mike. Don't, <laughs> don't bother picking up the follow-up stuff done by his son, the Butlerian Jihad, and the rest of that, which is arguably a prequel. It does. It just doesn't hold up. He's not his dad. Um, no, Plus, it's the same guy. It, it, he also gets help help written by the guy who did Dark Saber in Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, while the idea was funny, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the a good The story book. is not good. <laughs> the story is not good. Dark <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, Bo, I get it. I get what you like out of Dune and stuff like that. And then... And then uh, just it, it showed, Yeah, it showed me a limitless idea. And it's it leads into my love of Doctor Who. It leads into my love of a lot of different science fiction where let's go gonzo yeah just let's put it out gonzo. there the more legends ab- of tomorrow doctor who the more abstract and odd the better yeah it's true yeah, legends I, of tomorrow didn't start getting really good until they said fuck it yeah yeah and that's the, the legends that's why i think this run of all the wb shows are going to be great because they're going all in on this crisis shit it's gonna be like four versions of superman it's official friggin um uh, Smallville is going to be there and shit like that. <laughs> like, they're going all in, and I, I say, yeah, join the fuck it wagon. Like seriously, because that first season of Legends of Tomorrow was okay, but when they was like, fuck it, <laughs> that's when I was like, yeah, yeah, this is all happening in one series. This is this is America's Doctor Who. All right, so let me give my um. All right, like I can. <coughs> I can go on and on and on and on and on and on of this because I, I got things like ElfQuest, Grimm's Fairy Tales alone. I agree with Back you on ElfQuest. It was amazing. Yeah, Back to the Future, freaking just the concept of Captain America and Wonder Woman as characters because, you know, doing the right thing for the because it's the right thing to do is just an amazing thing. The character of Spider-Man in the mid-80s. Uh, well, all through the your, 80s. A follow-up to your Fushigi Yugi for me is Soy Koden. Okay, the 108. The 108, because again, it's just this massive collection of people All right. trying to do this thing. But I think I'm going to go with something that's a little bit more recent. Not super recent, but a little bit more recent as far as shaping my outlook for how narratives work. Because you were talking about accepting narratives, Bo. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with... Uh, one movie that I can rewatch over and over again. And once again, it's not what, as Mike and I call it, it's not what we call a movie. It's more of an emotion. <laughs> it's more of a feeling. And that's The Fountain. The Fountain, I really enjoyed that movie. It's another movie about loss, so I guess I have a lot to face with things like that. And, it's in, and so that movie was important for me, but the emotion and the concept of your world as you define it not being what it is those two things together were g- given to me in that movie first of all you jackman amazingly portrayed a man suffering loss and secondly the director amazingly gave me a sense of how time is irrelevant fluid the moments are the moments and all that a mind in the moment is a mind without time and and how everything that is happening right there and right now is the most important thing that could possibly ever be happening. And everything around it is the things that just e- equaled up to it. And they're, they're not as important as the moment. And, um, and uh, the movie is intense. 
And if you like go, if you go, if you pay too much attention to the themes, it starts getting you so wrapped up in the esoteric. Like I wasn't as interested as in Cloud Atlas as I was in The Fountain. And Cloud Atlas is a better put together movie, but The Fountain is a better resonating movie for me. You know what I'm saying? And like it's the harder example to use than the other ones because the other ones the other things on my list i can easily define but the fountain i could define it as it taught me um a, a lot of things about perspective perception emotion even history you know what i'm saying and it gave me even a more love for history and uh, and understanding why it's important because even your own personal history defines and shapes you that's why if ever given the choice to travel back in time i'd change nothing because i'm fine with who i am and everything and everyone around me so i like changing one little thing can change everything but also changing one little thing can change nothing you but you just don't know you don't know what actually defined who you are you can't map that you can try but you would be unsure because what actually resonates with you might not be what you think it is. And you might not realize what resonated with you until long after. Or you may never realize what resonated and shaped you and put your path. It may be things that have nothing to do with you because that was another thing in the fountain. There were lifetimes that he had no connection to that affected his life and emotion. And it was just crazy. <laughs> that movie was crazy. I don't know if you've seen it, Bo. Oh, I have. Yeah, but that movie... It, it, it's a stunningly amazing, but is it a movie? Only in the fact that it's cinema played in the theater. It's more of a. It's a poet. It's a, it's a poem. It's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's an incomplete story. It is a perspective that is narrowed like a vignette. You don't see the bottom of it. It's just splayed in a misty memory for you to see. That is the fountain, and that. That is the one I'm going to hone in on that uh, I think really affected my outlook for telling narratives emotionally. Emotionally. Like, an emotional narrative is as powerful as a narrative that's character-driven because you don't get to know his character. You get to know his, how his character is feeling there and then. That's it. That's it. And that's your guy, huge jack man. <laughs> which yeah. doesn't hurt at all um, that dude can act his ass off sing and dance his ass off like um, I'm going to throw one other movie that surprised me and it's super recent and I just watched it oh, and it, this is our last one yeah, right? this is my last one um, this Ralph, would be three for you well I thought you did three uh, you did I three. couldn't I think huh? I did three I think yeah, I had to pass Dune, Planet one. of the Apes and uh uh, and your first one, which was um, Star Wars. Star Wars. So yeah. save it, Bo. Save right. it for another save time. It. Save it for another time, because okay. I think we'll come back to this. Mike, you still got a third one? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to include. I'm not going to include Vader because we all know that one for me. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about Vader another time. Right. We'll bring. But this Vader one, this one, time. I'll mention because I just watched six hours of it. Yes, yeah, six hours, and I know Mike, you'll be supporting me on this one, but. There was a time where I wasn't a huge vampire fan. I mean, yeah, they're all right, but they're vampires. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that can't then withstand water. Then I the played Legacy. I mean, I played Blood Omen. 
Legacy of Kane. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and my God, that game. PlayStation 1 video game, top down, Blood right. Omen, Legacy of Kane, Blood Omen. Was the most fun I had on that PlayStation. I know I like Twisted Metal Fave also. Victus. But, that game is on my list, Mike. That series is on my list, yeah. so. But, but <laughs> I, I despised the character while playing him, and then I fell in love with his long monologues because he twisted me. There was something. No, about- no. No, I was there. You fell in, You hated him playing Blood Omen. But when you went to Soul Reaver and there was no him, there was no. You didn't get to hear him, and then finally he appears and he's a villain. He starts talking. You realized you missed him because yeah. <laughs> I was right with you there. When you asked me, bring you know, pay attention, uh, you know, bring things that you know you admire, whatever. Um, I was, I had several easy, but then I sat and watched a six-hour f- all FMV scenes of the <laughs> legacy of Kane. And when wow. I came out of it, I said, wow, I just sat here and watched this for six hours. <laughs> you know, I've I, done must, that. I must I've love done this that. thing. Right. I've done that. Because yes. after that, blew up this whole interest in vampires. All Because I remember when Vampire the Masquerade, that roleplay game came out. I was like, eh. Yeah. You know, I know, it. I know Anka liked it. I know Ian liked it. These are my friends. They liked it. They were crazier about it than me. Bo, you were crazier about it than me. But I was like, whatever, vampires. But yes, Legacy of Kane. Legacy of Kane also had time. <laughs> like, I like time, you know, as a concept, as traveling, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Back to the Future. But after Legacy of Kane, I became obsessed with storylines that involve time. I yes. mean, and I didn't even realize you and me that both. Kane, Yeah. Ironically, I, I came hate, from that. I despise time as a, as a plot concept. But, it's so hard to do it well. Right. And well, let him finish. Let him finish, Bo. But, oh my but God! Yeah, yeah. That's where. That's where. Like, I didn't realize that both are connected. But yes, Mobius, the time streamer, and all their misadventures in the Legacy of Cain and time travel while literally living the years, or time travel by moving through the errors and things like that. Legacy of Cain was a fantastic storyline, even though some of it was just so nuts. And it took so many different turns, you know, and it included so many odd things like vampire and time travel. Okay, sure, you know. Time traveling vampires, elder gods. Okay, trans, so you got magic. Transvampirism. Yes, you got the becoming the vampire. So you got set stuff that sticks together. You have vampires, elder gods, and magic. But then you got psychic powers. Elevated religions, time travel, um, trans vampirism, uh, and, and treachery, and, betrayal, and balance bet- of balance of nature and Bal- spiritualism, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and right. crossing between life and death. Because that's another yeah. obsession I got, where I'm trying to constantly <laughs> recreate that in things I play. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Legacy of King. I. I I can the entire series. Huh? <laughs> the entire series. Just I gotta love agree. It. it was amazing. I yeah, that's on in... my list. That's on yeah. my list. And the only game both of us have not played was Blood Omen Two. But I know right. the plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know the plot thoroughly. I'm saddened yeah. that they're not picking it up, or maybe someday they will. Either way, Nosgoth and all the people of Nosgoth have my heart, and I enjoy them yeah. thoroughly. And that was an excellent pause to that series too, because he was like. And I'm faced with a bit of truth 
that sours me even worse. Hope. <laughs> he was like, like, yeah. like, yo. To the listeners, Mike has been doing the Legacy of Kane voice for years now. Sam, we know the guy's name, Templeton, right? So, yeah, Simon Templeton. Simon Templeton. 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 Yeah. I would not recognize a video game voice or know the guy's name if it wasn't for Mike and Legacy of Cain, which we all obsess about. The Heart of Darkness. The Heart of Darkness. <laughs> Havoc and Malice. <laughs> My axes, the axes, Havoc and Malice. Faye Victus! Faye Victus. <laughs> I think that's where we should end this <laughs> off. Favorite is suffering to the conquered. Oh my God! Okay, look, yeah, I don't even have to go into that because, like, that's on my list for so many things. The stuff you mentioned, reinvigorating my love for voice acting. So many, <laughs> yeah, I'm completely behind you with it. Cause Poking that the bearer is- about your disdain for vampires. <laughs> no, I love the vampires in that Nick's and, and that also- one, yeah. And also hate the vampires in that one because <laughs> I agree they need to be wiped out. And Kane agreed they need to be wiped out. But then he also realized that they were also poisoned. They were not the way they were supposed to be. There was so much to that. They are not vampires. <laughs> At the same time, they are vampires. And the, the series was the series was freaking crazy. It's right up there with your Dune, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> it's bonkers. The past, present stuff, the Chosen, the Quintet's Hatterack, all of it, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and the ending for Legacy of Cain Defiance, where they took Raziel and took, and took our longing for Cain to return. Because <laughs> I tell you right now, Mike is not kidding. We both equally hated his monologues, like... Every town he would go into, he, he would go into deep description. Every item he, that he had in his inventory or would come across, he'd go into description. Everything, he would go into description. And then I hope they paid that voice actor well because they put him to work. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Then he play, Then then in Soul Reaver 1 and 2, Kane is only there briefly as a villain. And you're like, oh God, what? why am I into this game but at the same time bored because that's the weird air with soul reaver you're into the game but at the same time bored but there's something keeping you going and then you get to what's keeping you going as you confront the guy you only seen at the beginning which was kane who only said one line cast him in and that was it you know what i'm saying because the entire monologue yeah, yeah, the sheer look of disdain on his face as he's looking <laughs> over his wings like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the entire monologue is done by raziel who is a good monologuer he just doesn't do it throughout the game his only monologue is really in the intro and like two points in the game and then when he gets to kane and then you get to kane the villain and you're like why am I so excited to see this motherfucker? Because <laughs> he's talking and he's doing this long-ass monologue about time and yada yada and yada yada and yada yada. And then you don't get to fight the motherfucker because he leaves. And you're like, I can't wait for the second one. Even though nothing actually happened in this one. <laughs> you know? So you play Soul Reaver 2 and you get through that and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you get to Defiance where you get Kane back. And you're like, I never knew... I miss. I never knew that I didn't know I missed something this bad. <laughs> when, when, when we come back to this, I'm gonna have to, have to ask you guys to remind me about uh, Castlevania, Alucard, Dracula, because that's where it goes for me. Yeah, just make a list, put it yeah, down. Because yeah. we're gonna this have to go something. back. 
Yeah, because um, these are the things that shaped us, and we reference shit like this all the time. Like, in the years Mike's known me, and you've known me, I guess you never seen the, you don't remember the movie with me, Bo, but you've heard me sing that friggin' Cher, yeah. what's-his-face. I, I remember you singing the song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it's from. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even when I break out with chances, uh, yeah, when I... That's from that movie. It's in my head. <laughs> all right? It never left it. It rented space permanently. Yes, it rented space permanently. So, like, it's also to get our listeners to understand when we make these side jokes, these are where the, a lot of these references are coming from. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, um, and, uh, and, uh, and Blood Omen, the Blood Omen, the, the Legacy of Kane series is a big deal. That was a PlayStation series. <laughs> that was awesome. That went through yeah. different PlayStations, so. I'm telling you, watching the six-hour FMV scenes is a lot of fun. <laughs> and in the end, when he finally confronts false god, <laughs> just so much disdain. Uh. <laughs> no one projects disdain the way Kane projects disdain. <laughs> Plus, the idea uh. of the villain when, when, when the villain can sacrifice himself. I know later on there was more of a story to that. But when the villain gets a chance to. I mean, when the protagonist gets a chance to to save human, save everybody by killing him, letting himself die, or fuck everybody, I'm living, and you find out in the sequels, oh, he he made that. He definitely choice. chose <laughs> vengeance. Yeah, that's what I like because then when the because the series also points out because if you'll be like, but I chose this, but then the series is like, but your character was insane. You do realize that, right? <laughs> He's was driven no mad. Way. There's no way he was choosing self-sacrifice. You heard his ego grow throughout the entirety of the entire story. No, he was going to sit on a throne of blood and conquer the world. (laughs) Alright, guys. Well, I think uh, we've come to the fullness of this episode. As far as we can ever go. Until next time. See ya! No, no, it's not. Um, I, I made a wrong turn. Um, Scourge, could you open up? I need to fly out of here. There's nothing but hobos, bums, and losers here, and this weird Weasley one. The last Ow! time I heard that, I ended up knocked up and having to get rid of the child, never opening so, up again. So you just flew here and just insulted my coronation? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it is bad comedy. I mean, like... Wait, wait, wait. The, the, the issue now that I'm curious about is what Transformer got knocked up and who's the daddy? Why do you want to know? That's none of your business. It's just, you know. What happens on Cybertron stays on Cybertron. Stay out of this, pal. that's way too true. For Megatron pregnant. 
Megatron pregnant. Shut it up, <laughs> Soundwave! Stay out of this! Megatron! You have gotten pregnant? Shockwave! You talk too much! <laughs> Look, I'm in charge! Okay, you're in charge, and I'm not Megatron. I'm I'm Galvatron. Megatron's over. Is that how you are defeating the baby daddy situation? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 what, 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 better, what baby daddy situation? Is Megatron a daddy? Where's my Did child we miss support? <laughs> look, all right, look, things happened. There's like only one female Transformer every couple of seasons. They had that one episode where there was like six of them. They probably all fucking killed themselves because we never saw them again. And then we're left with RC and she's just a good guy. Things happen. Megatron, I didn't know you were a baby daddy. Well, what's going on with this Quintessons then? Shockwave, calm it down, all right? (laughs) Are the Quintessons male or female? We are all. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Me, Grimlock. This weird. (laughs) What the hell's an Autobot doing here? Okay, this is all falling to shit. I'm out. Star scream out. Child support. Well, that was well, that was a lot less violent than I had intended. But you know, what'd you say your name was again? Galvatron. Hail Galvatron. Long live Galvatron. Megatron's not the baby daddy. Long live Galvatron. Okay. (laughs) Is Unicron unisex? No. He identifies as a planet. Don't. Don't. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Gender. Don't misgender Unicron. (laughs) That's no moon. (laughs) He asked. Mm. He called himself I am the planet Unicron, right? I, yeah, come I on, he identified yeah, as a yeah, planet. Technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so, so is that so the, the start of the show? Fluid, as long as the matrix of leadership is involved. They are Transformers. They literally transform. So if you don't like Transformers, that makes you a transphobe. Hmm. <laughs> 